Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, since there are no younger, younger ones today, they would normally get downstairs. Everybody's just going to be here, and we're just going to listen together and give our full attention to the Word of God. Uh, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4. We started a couple of weeks ago on uh, this particular passage of Scripture, uh, a series called The Full Armor of God. And uh, I want to just deal with this passage of Scripture starting, we talked to already have had two messages, have talked about uh, these first few verses. We're going to start at verse 14 today, actually just be in verse 14 to begin to talk about the armor of God and the things that have been provided for us as believers. And uh, I believe that the world that we are living in today requires this piece of the armor that we're going to look at today so much more than at any other time in history. We are living uh, in a time that uh, where people don't believe that there is any one truth. Any one particular truth that is real, that is a truth that is above all other ideas of what people think truth should be. And yet, uh, we, we look around in the world and I, I think about this idea, they call it relative. Everything is relative. It's a relativistic approach to truth. That is, it may be that somebody will say, maybe somebody has said it to you, that what is true for you may not necessarily be true for me. And I look at that in the world that we are living in. These young men who did this horrible, horrible act in the city of Boston. There is a, an element that they believe is truth that supposedly drove them to this particular act. 9-11 happened as a result of somebody believing their truth as opposed to what we understand in the Word of God is the truth. Brothers and sisters, more than, more than any other time in history, we have to believe that there is absolute truth. It's an interesting thing. Uh, somebody once said, I don't believe that there is absolute truth. And as they got into conversation about it, they were very adamant about their statement. No, there is no absolute truth. And they stood their ground. No, there is not. And the individual simply ended the argument by looking at them and asking, so is that true? You see, when somebody stands on something, they are standing on what they believe is absolutely true. Let's read verse 14. The Bible says this. It says, in fact, let's just, uh, yeah, let's read verse 14. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. 
the Bible and Paul as he is writing, he is envisioning and picturing a Roman soldier. During that time, the Roman soldiers had pieces of armor and parts of their uniform that they had to wear, but the belt was absolutely vital to that Roman soldier. Now, it's vital to me. I wear a belt, and if I go without a belt, it drives me absolutely crazy. I cannot exist without a belt. If I don't have a belt, I generally won't go out of the house. I have, if I have a pair of pants on, I have to have a belt. Even the shorts that I buy for the summertime, i got to buy shorts that have a belt, that have the belt loops. I have to have a belt. It holds everything up as it should. Paul, yeah, please, too much information, I realize that. Paul was envisioning not somebody who needed help holding something up, but the belt was important for a Roman soldier because often there would be, their, their parts of their garment would be more flowing than what we would have today. Men wear pants, we have the pants, we wear a belt, you know, but there was a different kind of outfit, a different kind of of uniform as they went out to war and as they went out to fight and often those garments could potentially get in the way if of of what it was that they needed to do the belt held everything together and it gave them the freedom to move now I want you to take note of that because for us brothers and sisters truth is that thing that gives you the freedom to move in God. The truth, what does the Bible say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the belt holds everything together to allow freedom of movement. He also said this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth of God is going to set you free. Now I want you to understand this. When Paul is talking about truth, we have to define a little bit because there is the truth, which is we understand the truth. We're going to talk about it just a little bit. The truth as the embodiment of what we believe. That is the Christian faith, the faith that we have come to trust in. Truth as the truth. But Paul says... Stand firm with the belt of truth. He doesn't say the belt of the truth. He says the belt of truth. What does that indicate? It indicates something different. It indicates that it is your trust and your hope in what you believe as the truth, the Word of God, the Bible. You are holding to that and you are absolutely faithful to it. You see, it is a truthfulness in your own heart. It's something that you have going on on the inside of you. It is a truth that has taken place on the inside. It's what you are trusting in, you're hoping in, and you are remaining faithful. We can equate that anytime we see in Scripture about faithfulness whether it is the faithfulness of God to us or whether it is that we are to be faithful to God, it is there is an honesty, there is an integrity in, in, your, in the Word, in His Word, in our Word. It is an integrity in everything that we do and everything that we say. He is simply saying this, that when that, that, that Roman soldier goes out to battle, 
There has to be truth on the inside of him as to who he will remain faithful to. I remember watching uh, a number of many years ago and the first, uh, the first time that the United States invaded Iraq and under the George Bush, the father, and they went in. And I remember seeing as they began to overwhelm the, the, the Iraqi soldiers with the bombardments and all of those things, all of a sudden you saw Iraqi soldiers going like this, surrendering. They hadn't been told by Saddam Hussein to surrender, but they surrendered and they began to walk toward the enemy saying, we've had enough, we can't have any more. You see, the soldier ought to be the kind of individual who says, never says, I've had enough, I'm going to just give up. If we are faithful to God, if we are true to God, and we've got the belt of truth that no matter what the enemy throws at us, brothers and sisters, we will never give up. If you've got the belt of truth, you are free in God to stand your ground and know that no matter how difficult the thing gets, no matter how bad the warfare gets, no matter how difficult the battle is raging, you've got to know that you can stand your ground and you don't have to give up because you've got the belt of truth. You can remain true to Him and He will be by your side to help you fight. He has the belt of truth. There is freedom there to be able to do what God has told you to do. The belt of truth is a sincerity of heart. And as we mentioned, in the context of this passage, I can't really talk about this other than to just kind of briefly mention that it, we've, we are holding to the truth. But Paul doesn't say the belt of the truth. He says the belt of truth. He's not talking about what we believe. He's talking about how we believe. It's talking about staying faithful and sincere in our hearts toward God to stay true to what God has told us in His Word. It is, in essence, our reaction to the Word. It's an amazing thing how many Christians will read the Bible, they'll read the Word, and then ignore what it says. People who claim to be Christian, I'm a believer. Really? How come you're not doing what it says? You see, to remain, to have the belt of truth means that I will be true to what the truth has told me, to what the truth has been revealed to me. Brothers and sisters, without this truth, you and I cannot remain true to God. But God has revealed a way for you and I to be able to stand firm and stand our ground. So the question is, are we going to put the belt of truth on? In other words, are we going to remain faithful to God no matter what the situation is? No matter how bad life gets? No matter how many problems come our way? Are we going to remain faithful? It is a sincerity of heart. You remember David. When David was faced with the option to sin. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. It says that there, it was the time when kings went to war. But then the rest of that verse says. But David remained in Jerusalem. David stayed put. He stayed right where he was. He was supposed to be out at war, but David got a little bit spiritually lazy. 
And he stayed where he was. And all of a sudden, David was out one evening in, on his, the, the roof of the palace. And he looked out and he saw Bathsheba bathing. And we know the story, how it ends. David ends up committing adultery. He ends up committing murder to cover up his adultery. David does things that we cannot even begin to imagine that a, a man after God's own heart would do. We can't even begin to think. But that is exactly what happened. David, as he is faced with all of this, he's going through it trying to cover it up. He's trying to cover up his sin and what it was that he has done. And all of a sudden, a prophet shows up. prophet tells him a little story. There was a man who had one little lamb, and that one little lamb was like a member of the family. That's all they had. They were poor. They had nothing. There was another man, a rich man, who had all kinds of sheep, all kinds of cattle. He had everything that he needed, but he had a visitor show up at his house. And rather than using one of his many sheep for what it was that he needed to help feed his guest, he went and took the little lamb that this family, this poor family had, took it away. And David got so indignant, he felt this injustice that was done. And he said, that man has got to repay. Finally, the prophet looks at him. And he says, David, you're that man. You see, David knew the truth. David knew what he was supposed to do. But in a time where he became spiritually lazy, the truth all of a sudden began to get blurred by his own desires. Brothers and sisters, don't allow your desires to overpower the truth. The truth is the truth, and you must remain true to it. It is why David wrote in Psalm 51, that great psalm of repentance, Psalm 51 and verse 6. I want you to listen to what this man, this repentant King, this man who wept and wept and wept as he realized the great sin that he had committed. This is why he's a man after God's own heart. He doesn't sit on his sin and excuse it and tell people, you know, it's no big deal. He doesn't do any of that, but the Bible indicates that he wept and he cried out and repented. You'd have to read the whole psalm later on. It's powerful. But he wrote these words in verse 6 of Psalm 51. Surely you desire truth in the where? Inner parts. He didn't say you desire the truth in the inner parts. You desire truth. That is sincerity. That is faithfulness. That is God let me be true to you even when I have the option to not be true. Who's looking? Nobody's looking. I'll get away with it. Oh, no, you won't. Absolutely not. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. You can't sneak around a corner. You can't lurk in some, you know, dark place and, and just, ha, 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 I'm going to get away with this. Nobody's ever going to know. And I'm going to get to church on Sunday and hallelujah, praise the Lord. Everything is great. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. No, no, no. Listen, 
God sees what is in secret. That is the place that we have to be true to God. It is the place where God sees what's going on. You can't lurk behind a corner and expect that God is going to miss it. God misses nothing. He missed nothing that David did. Nobody else knew what David did. Nobody. But it all came to light. Because God said, this can't happen. This cannot be. David, you've got to remain true to me. This is why David says, you desire truth in the inner parts. The question is, when you, you see and you experience what the Word has to say, you, you find out what the book says. How many times have we looked at the Scripture and we said, no, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. We tend to take the Bible literally in the spots that encourage us. Woo, hallelujah. You know, we jump on the, the hallelujah bandwagon. We read something in the Psalms that just lifts us and, oh, we're on cloud nine. But all of a sudden we get into, you know, maybe we get into the prophets. Forget the prophets. We get into, you know, chapter four and chapter five of Ephesians. Just take yourself back there this afternoon. Take yourself back into those chapters a little bit. And all of a sudden, you begin to see the Holy Spirit speaking, saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, not good. This is for you. I've got this in you that, that's got to come out. This has to happen. This has to happen. And a lot of times we read that and we say, oh, no, not me, Lord. Not me. You don't, that's no big deal. Bible says he desires truth where? In the inner parts, on the inside. So the belt of truth can be equated with your sense of loyalty to what the Word says on the battlefield. It can be equated to your sense of loyalty on the battlefield. This is why a lot of believers don't make it. Some people who claim to be believers, and I, I listen, I'm not of those who think and, and those who, who come, you know, who, who say, well, if, if they fall away from the faith, they would never really say, I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that God can touch you. He can save you. But in the day of battle, when that battle comes, the Bible talks about it in, in one of the Psalms. It tells us that on the day of battle, the, 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 the men of Ephraim ran. Even though they were archers who could, who could you know, kill the enemy from a distance. They could take care of a battle from a distance. They didn't have to get hand-to-hand -hand combat. They fled. Their loyalty was somewhere else. Sometimes our loyalties lie in other places, the secret places of our hearts that we're reserving for ourselves. There can't be any places in our hearts that is reserved for ourselves and our own indulgence. You were bought with a price, brothers and sisters. You are not your own. If Jesus died on the cross for you, he died for your whole life, for your whole heart, your whole self. He didn't die so you can hang on to some secret thing that nobody knows about. No, he desires truth, wholeness, faithfulness in the inner being. He desires all of that on the inside of you. Don't allow the enemy to make you think and deceive you into thinking that you can somehow do your own thing and you'll be all right. Oh, don't do that. Look, I'm going to tell you why I got saved. And this is becoming 
a lot, you know, it's becoming a maligned uh, reason for getting saved. Giving their hearts, giving your heart to Jesus. Some people say, well, it's just a get out of hell free card. And what's wrong with that? So you really want to go to, I mean, you know, it defies comprehension. Oh, that, you know, it's just, you, you just don't want to go to hell. Of course not. I don't. Who does? You do? And yet people think, well, I, you know. But the problem is, is that sometimes we, you know, we give our hearts to Jesus. Yes, we don't want to go to hell. But sometimes we, we listen to the lie of the enemy. And this is why I believe we need truth in the inner parts. Because the, the enemy comes along and he tries to deceive. He tries to steal. He tries to kill and destroy. But his, his main method of getting at you is deception. And he tries to deceive you into thinking that you can just somehow play games with God then show up to church on Sunday, raise your hands, sing the loudest, give the most in the offering, and everything is going to be okay. No, it's not. Truth in the inner part is, if I see that the Scripture has revealed that He has set me free, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed, it means that I don't have to give in to the sin that I have been reserving for myself and the indulgence that I have been reserving for me. I don't have to give in to that anymore because Romans says I've got the power over that thing because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He desires truth in the inner parts. Listen to what the Bible also says, Psalm 145 and verse 18. The psalmist writes this and says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him. I love that. He is near to all who call on Him. And listen to this. The psalmist kind of qualifies the calling. To all who call on Him in truth. Hmm. Makes you think, doesn't it? About the prayer that says, Oh God, if you get me out of this. That maybe that's not really a prayer that is prayed in truth. In sincerity of heart. Because really, in, in essence, what we're looking for is God. Just get me out of this. And we'll see how it happens on the other side of it. Sometimes that happens. I don't know how many times in my young life I prayed, Oh God, if you get me out of this, and he gets me out of it, and I go right back into the mess of sin that I was in before. How many times in my life have I prayed this, and I have not prayed? The Bible says he is near to all who call on him. We could stop right there. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. But wait a minute. The psalmist follows up and he says, to all who call on him in truth. That is in sincerity of heart. That is, God, 
From this moment forward, I have every intention and more than intention. I am determined to serve you with all of my heart. I will follow you. I will go after you. I will get, I will get into your presence. I will pray. But God, I am sincere in my heart that, Lord, I am calling upon you. It's an interesting thing that I think in many cases in Scripture we find those who draw nearest to God are those who are drawing near to Him for Him. Not for what he can give. Listen, he'll give his blessings. But don't come to God and say, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. You're not coming with a sincere heart. You're, just, you're looking like, you know, God is like, you're, he's your sugar daddy. Come on, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. When he gives you, uh, thank you, bye. Won't be in church for the next eight weeks. Bye. I, I, Lord, I, my Bible, whew, oh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Right? I'm glad we, we laugh because we know it's true. He blesses us, he get, but the problem is, is that the truth or truth in sincerity and faithfulness isn't there. God has to help us, but I want you to know that God is not asking us to do something that is that we're incapable of doing. See, Paul tells us to put on the belt of truth or have the belt of truth buckled around our waist to be prepared and to be ready to have that, that, that readiness that comes from being faithful to God. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what kind of spiritual challenges you will be faced with. You have no idea what is coming down the road. So wouldn't it make sense for us to be ready? But many of us, we allow the enemy to have a little bit of place in our hearts. And because of that, we find that we're not ready when that spiritual challenge comes up. We get all depressed. We get worried. We get frustrated. We get angry. We get mad. We get mad at other people. We take it out on everybody else. We have all kinds of reactions. But the bottom line is, is that we are not ready for when the enemy is coming. We've already been told that the devil is coming after us. We've already been told earlier in this passage that the Bible indicates that there is an enemy who is out to destroy you. And you have been called into a place of battle, verse 13, where you need to stand your ground. you got to stand at the beginning and be the last one standing. The bottom line is this, but the way that that's going to happen is to be ready with the belt of truth. That is, you be truthful in your heart and in your relationship to God. Don't try to put anything over on Him. You cannot do it. You absolutely can't. That's why the psalmist write that the Lord is near to those who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Now, if you were to do some kind of a search in the Bible for the word truth, you would often find it associated with the truth. That is that objective truth that we believe. We'll say, Pastor, I, I, I want to hear a little bit about that. Well, I, I'll ha I'm happy to help you with that. I, I want to tell you about it because I love this because Jesus, when he came to this earth, he came and he said these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So 
you want to be ready in your time of battle, you've got to have Jesus with you. You've got to have Jesus surrounding you, and you've got to have him in your heart. Say, Pastor, I just like coming to church. Coming to church ain't going to save you. Coming to church is not going to help you in the day of battle. It's only having the truth in your heart, the truth in your life. The only way is to have that. Now, the Bible says this in the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, that thy word is truth. Well, here Paul says it is the sword of the Spirit, so we'll stick to the context of this passage, but I want you to know that the word is truth the truth. So we've got to stay in the book and we've got to stay in communion with Jesus because he is the truth. So if we are in communion with him and we're reading about what he has to say, then the next course of action is for you and I to remain faithful to what the book says. Amen? We've got a lot of people in this country today it doesn't forget it. We've got a lot of let me just say this. We got a lot of people in this country today saying, "Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian." And yet they're not faithful to the book. They're not faithful to what Jesus said, what Jesus did. In fact, they're taking some of the words of Jesus and making them more important than the work of Jesus. I want you to know that all the words of Jesus, as wonderful as they were, that without the cross and without the resurrected Christ, we have nothing. Without what he did on the cross, without him dying and shedding his blood on Calvary, we have nothing. Well, I'm true to the word. If you ignore the finished work of the cross, then you are ignoring the most important thing. What Jesus said is absolutely, oh, but they're wonderful words. Pastor, don't say that. You sound almost sacrilegious. No, this is, Paul said it. Paul said that if there is no resurrection of, of Christ, if there is no resurrection of the dead, we are to be the most pitied of all men. Think about that. Those who believe in a resurrection, but there isn't one. If there is no finished work of the cross, which includes the resurrection of Christ, then we are a pitiful bunch. That's, that's the truth. Well, I'm going to remain true to just a few things. Be careful about that. Because eventually you'll go into so much error and so many different ways of of, of getting, uh, getting away from the truth and getting into falsehood. Brothers and sisters, we've got to believe the whole counsel. If God said it in His Word, if God has, has presented it, if Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for our sins, then I believe for all of us we must remain true to the, what the Word of God says and how the Word of God teaches us. I don't care who's saying it. I don't care how important they are in the world and in the country. I don't care what they say. Listen, Paul said to the, the Galatian church these words. He said, if anybody comes to you, if it is an angel who comes to you and preaches something other than what I have delivered to you, let him be accursed. Those are some pretty strong words. 
calling down cursings on an angel that might say something different than what Paul said. But Paul was given this by revelation. He said they're preaching a different gospel. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that we have got to remain true to the word of God as it has been revealed to us because his way and his word is the truth, the life. And the way, no man comes to the Father but through him. Oh, pastor, come on. This, you know, the day of relative truth, there are many ways to get to God. That's another problem that we have. There are not many ways to get to God. Jesus said, I'm the only way. Oh, you Christians, you're just so narrow-minded. No, Jesus was. Because he said, narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way to, that leads to destruction. You go here, go there. Oh, it doesn't really matter what you believe. You know what, folks? It, so many Christians have bought into that, that even in this country there are churches who though they preach from the Bible, they believe all kinds of splintered ways of getting to God. There is only one way. That is the truth. And we have got to in this day and age where everybody else is saying you can do what you want, there have got to be a few that will stand their ground and say I'm remaining truthful to what God has said. I'm remaining faithful to what God has said in his word. I will be true to you, Lord, and I will not back down in the battle. I will stand my ground no matter what. I've got the belt of truth on, and I will remain loyal to you, Jesus. There is a pastor that is uh, incarcerated in his home country of Iran lived in this country for a number of years, has a wife, I think one child. Um, but he went back to do, and they, they told him, you, have, you cannot you know, preach Jesus. You can't do any of that in this country. You have to leave. But he went back to the country of Iran, was not doing any evangelization, went back to do a some kind of a secular work of helping the country. I think it was educational. They pulled this pastor. I can't remember his name. It slips my mind. I've read about a couple of articles. Pastor Abendini. Pulled him off a bus. He was sentenced to eight years in prison in Iran for what they say was conversion from Islam to Christianity and for also preaching the gospel. He said, I'm not here for this, but nonetheless, they sentenced him. Another article just came across just the other day that I read that the abuse that he is experiencing in prison, in this prison that is famous for the abuse of its prisoners, the abuse that he is experiencing currently is just, it's unprecedented. You can't even begin to imagine. In this country, we have no clue. We, we can't even begin to imagine the kind of persecution. And at that moment, I began to think, God, what would I do in this situation? For the, in this, this brother, has, he, has, he has not renounced Christianity. He has remained true. Whether he will survive eight years, and even if he survives eight years, whether or not they will let him go, Nobody really knows that. 
There are attorneys, Christian attorneys in this country who are working to try to get him to be freed, to get him to rescue, but they are abusing this man something fierce and something terrible to try to get him to just give up. And I was so encouraged as I read this article on Fox News. I, I read this article about how it was that he was just, he was holding his ground and remaining true. And I thought, God, please just help him do something to help this, this dear pastor, his loved ones in this country and the family in Iran as well. God, help this man, help him to be strong, to remain true. We don't know that kind of battle. I don't know persecution. I don't know the way some people know it around the world, the way that Christie is presented to some of you who stay behind on the last Sunday of each month to hear what's going on in the world. But I want you to know that there are some soldiers who refuse to, 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 to let their loyalties go. They refuse to let it go so that they can preserve themselves. But instead, they stand their ground in the middle of the battle with the belt of truth on. Brothers and sisters, you and I are required as believers to stand our ground and be true to God no matter what the cost, no matter what the situation. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know how the enemy has come at you and has tried to throw you something that you don't know how to deal with. But I know what the Bible says that we need to do. We've got to remain loyal. We've got to be honest. We've got to be men and women of integrity to be true to the word that has been revealed to us, to be true to the gospel that has been preached to us, that we say we believe, to hold to our profession of faith. The writer of the book of Hebrews was writing to people who were going to have their possessions taken from them simply because they were leaving Judaism. They were going to be disowned by their family simply because they were leaving Judaism and converting to Christianity and coming into the Christian faith because they saw that what Jesus did on the cross was a fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial system that they didn't need to do all of those things anymore and hold to all those laws because now there was grace that had come to them and he writes to them to encourage them to hold unswervingly to the profession of their faith. Brothers and sisters, I believe with all my heart we are living in a day and age where it's becoming more and more feasible for us to walk up a politically correct line rather than holding to the truth. I want you to know that we have got to hold to the Word of God and be loyal to what God says regardless of what culture, regardless of what society is saying. We have got to say, Lord, I'm going to remain true to you first above all, above everything else. You might be faced with trouble today. Certainly not the kind of trouble that this pastor in Iran is experiencing in prison. But you might be experiencing trouble that is beyond what you can handle today. Maybe the temptation is for you to just sort of back off, give up, just, you know, compromise a little here and there. You see, the word truth has nothing to do with compromise. Absolutely nothing. When we are loyal to the Lord... We will not give one inch to the enemy 
Paul writes earlier in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, I think it's around verse 27, he says, neither give place to the devil. You don't have to give him very much room before he's busting down the door. Give him no place. He doesn't belong. He's not invited. The battle that we're faced with, we've got to remain true to the Lord. Amen? Stand to your feet right now. Just as the musicians come back, I believe with all my heart that today maybe there's someone here who needs the Lord's strength. You need His help. As the musicians play the chorus, we exalt Thee. It could be that you're experiencing a battle in your life and the temptation is to give up. The temptation is to just, you know, preserve yourself. See, that's the enemy's message. His message, and it's a lie, that just, just preserve yourself. Just, you know, go with the flow. Go with the way that the world is going. Because, you know, man, they got it so much easier, don't they? He paints such a funny picture. And yet, Underneath all of the veneer, all of the laughter, all of the partying, there is pain, there is sorrow, there is hopelessness. When you remain true to the Lord, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is great. Everything is always going to be wonderful. If you've been saved any amount of time, you can, you can testify and say, no, it's, it's been difficult. It's been difficult. But today you need a touch from the Lord. You need God to help you to remain true in your situation. I want you to just do something in the closing moments of this meeting. Make your way to this altar right now. I want you to take some time to pray. In this meeting right now, we're going to take time to pray. Say, Lord, help me to remain true to you. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to be looking at you saying, yeah, you know, I wonder what's going on. No, that, that's not going to happen. What's going to happen right now is just you and God saying, Lord, help me. Give me strength right now to remain true in the battle. And He will help you. He absolutely will help you. Just make your way right now to this altar. I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee. Oh, Lord. Come on, sing, I exalt Thee. Make your way in this building. You come right now. Come and stand at this altar and say, Lord, I want to remain true to you. I want to remain true in my situation. To your word, to your will, to your way, oh God. I want there to be the sincerity of heart and loyalty of spirit. Some ladies come and stand the sister here and let's believe God for his grace. Hallelujah. Yes, I Exalt thee, we exalt thee, exalt thee, we exalt thee, oh Lord, we exalt thee.
let's sing, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, I you, O God. Hallelujah to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah to you, Lord God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each and every one in this place. I pray, Lord, that when the battle rages and when it comes, that they would be prepared. They would be ready, O God, with the belt of truth buckled around their waist, that they would remain true to what they know your word says. That no matter what the cost, no matter what the situation, they would be true to you. Father, we pray right now, and I pray for this one, O oh God, who is faced with a test this week, O oh Lord, to see what's happening in their bodies. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give strength, that you would help them. God, we pray right now that you would give them peace of mind and peace of heart in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for your healing power to be upon them, O oh God. We thank you for what you did for Candies this past week, how you touched her and helped her. I pray that you would continue to give her strength in her body to raise her up, O oh God. We pray in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, that you would have your way. And God, we're going to give you the praise and the glory and the honor today in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Before you leave this place, turn and greet each other. In the love of the Lord, amen. God bless you.